as uh, you know that song that Nancy sang, "Happy Day." You know, it's uh, it is actually a glorious a glorious song that talks about the day that you and I were saved, and that is a happy day. That is a glorious day. And you know, as we've been going through the book of Leviticus. We've been talking about uh, last week, we started on leprosy, and today we're going to finish on leprosy. And we did mention how leprosy is a symbol of sin, how, how it's an image of sin. And we looked at the similarities last week and the attributes of leprosy and how they are very similar to the attributes of sin. And we talked about that. And and today is going to be no different, except today we're going to be talking about how we are all cleansed of this sin. We're going to look at how the leopards were cleansed by the hand of God, and the same way we are. You know, as, as we know that we are healed of our sins, and we are forgiven of them. And, and I want us to open up to the book of Luke because I want to talk about this as we can get a good understanding as, as to what has happened in our lives in Luke chapter 7. And we're going to be reading in verse, from verse 36. And there it talks about a sinful woman that has been forgiven by God. How she comes, how she hears that the Lord is going to be at this certain location. And how she goes there repentive seeking his love and forgiveness. And with that, let's begin to read in verse 36. It says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears. And wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. You know, what a sight this was to think, you know, that, you know, that, Je that she knows that Jesus is there. And as Jesus is at the home of a Pharisee, she stands behind him and begins to weep. And all the tears that are coming from her, down her face, down her cheekbones, begin to fall on the feet of Jesus. And as it says there, that she begins to wash the feet of Jesus with her tears. Imagine that. How many tears were falling from her face to be able to wash the feet of Jesus. And she was able to, as it says there, wipe them with the hair of her head. And not only that, she begins to kiss the feet of Jesus. You know, as we see this, as, as we're thinking of this, as we're picturing this, there is somebody else that's looking at this and thinking to himself, how dare she? Let's keep reading in verse 39. It says, now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Isn't this all of us? You know, as we think to ourselves, you know what? Some people, we say to ourselves, you know what? Who is he? You know, God can't forgive that person. You know what, of all the sins that he has done, sometimes it goes through our minds and we think to ourselves, you know what, can Jesus actually forgive them? And we know the heart of Jesus that he can and he will. And this man is saying to himself, why? You know, the manner of woman that she is. We don't know exactly what she was. We do maybe believe that she could have been a prostitute, a harlot. And he's saying to himself, you know, she's a sinner. That self-righteous Pharisee, you know, thinking of himself better than anyone else, saying, you know what, she's a sinner. And verse 40 goes on to say, and Jesus answered and said to him, and isn't this amazing? 
Because this man is speaking to himself, right? But Jesus knows all things. And he knows what his thoughts are. And he answers Simon and says, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. And then Jesus goes on to say, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely gave them both. He freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which one, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who had forgave more. I suppose, I'm sorry, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightfully judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrance, fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this? who even forgives sins. Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. See, this was a glorious time. You know, for this woman, it was a sad time, a time of reflection, a time of revelation to this Pharisee who thought of himself as being self-righteous, greater than, than this woman and less sinful than her. But he realizes at the end, as, as the Lord teaches him and the Lord illustrates that, you know what, that this woman, she knows whose, whose feet she was wa washing. She knows whose feet she was kissing and whose feet was anointed with oil. And she came to Jesus because she was a sinner, but she left a forgiven sinner a sinner that was saved by grace. This glorious day was that for her. It was a happy day. Imagine those tears now were wiped away and the tears were replaced with joy. You know, think about this. Do you remember the day when you were saved? The day when you said, Lord, yes, forgive me of my sins. Lord, enter into my heart. And do you remember that day? You know how happy you felt. I know for myself, I remember when I was saved, I was so joyous, so happy. And I remember, I, I, as I shared with you in the past, I couldn't wait to get into my car to go home and to tell my wife that I was saved. You know, it was a glorious day. See, because many of us, you know, what is it that sin does to us? You know, it makes us shameful, doesn't it? You know, uh, sin brings shame into our lives. Sin begins to isolate us, right? As we talked about last week. You know, it pulls us away from others because of the shame that we have. We're discouraged. You know, we're burdened. We're hopeless. We feel rejected. But you know what, this woman? She came this way, right? But she didn't leave that way. You know, and as I think about this, you know, as, as the Lord has told us, as he has told us through his word, you know, and the scripture of this church, as, as we all know that, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things become brand new. And all things pass, have passed away. See, that's what's so amazing about the Lord is that the old things do pass away. You know what? And all things are brand new because we're new creations in Christ. We're forgiven. And you know what? That's so amazing about our Lord that, 
you know, that he can make beauty from ashes. And that's the way we are as sinners, right? You know, the mess that we've made out of our lives. But yet the Lord makes beauty out of them. You know, the day of salvation is a great day. And that is the same day that these lepers, as we're going to go over this, how great a day this was for them. And with that, let us now open up to the book of Leviticus as we are in chapter 14. In Leviticus chapter 14, in verse 1, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest. For the day of his cleansing. You know, this leper, most lepers, as I shared with you, anyone that had any type of disease on them, you know, any, any type of, of ailment that he may have had that was visibly seen, any type of infection, he had to be put out of the camp. He couldn't be with God's people. Isn't that sad? To know that you couldn't be around God's people, that you had to be taken outside of the camp. Imagine what went through their minds and their, and their thoughts of being rejected, being discouraged, of being shameful. You know, as we read last week that any time that somebody would walk by them, they would have to scream, unclean, unclean. Imagine the loneliness of these lepers. You know, this is what was going on at this time. And so when the leper was cleansed of his sin, it was a time of, sal I mean, a cleanse of his, of his ailment, of, of his disease. It was a time of celebration. And this is what we're talking about now. This is exactly what we're going to be talking about. And it says in verse 3, And the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed, and indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper. You know, what's so awesome about this is, see, the leper could not go inside the camp. Remember, he had to be isolated from God's people. He couldn't be in the camp. And so how was a priest going to know if he had been healed or not? He would have to go out to see the leper. And that's what we have here, you know, as the priest goes out. Isn't this Jesus' ministry? To go out with sinners? To go out and to bring healing? You know, I want you to turn to the Gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 2, we have a similar occurrence here. You know, as the Pharisees and the scribes, as they saw Jesus, that he would go out with sinners. They began to talk about it. They began to ridicule him. They began to look at him in a negative manner. In verse 13, it says there, Then he went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, this was the Lord's ministry. You know, as we see here, you know, he goes out and and he calls sinners, right? Isn't it he that says, you know what? I came to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. You know, this is what the Lord does. He comes to us, right? And he does exactly this. You know, when, when I think to myself, you know, if it wasn't for God's calling upon my life, I wouldn't be here. You know, each and every one of us has been called by God. In John 6, it says, there no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. See, none of us can come to the Father unless the Lord calls us, unless God the Father has drawn us, unless he's called you out specifically. And this is what the Lord does. He calls us out and he has chosen us. He has chosen you and I. He has chosen us as sons of God to bear good and great fruit for him. And we know one thing is that as the Father chooses us, as the Father has called us, he definitely comes to us and he speaks to us and he's, and he's convicting us and he's drawing us to him. And you know what? And that's what we love about our Jesus because this is what he does. And here as we see the priests that are going out to the lepers, we know that to be the case. Let's, let's read in verse 4. It says, Then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. You know, when the leper was healed, when the leper be, you know, was healed of, of his disease, of that, whatever it was, there were three things that followed after that. And one of them was this, the ritual of the two birds. And these ritual of the two birds were, were to make him ceremonially clean. You know, he was to take the two birds and he was to kill one of them, right? And one bird that was killed, he was, you know, he would take the blood and, and put it in there with the water and he would take the living bird and he would dip the living bird, where, he had, where the blood and the water were of the dead bird. And he would allow one of them to fly, which was the bird that, that was alive. But before this, he had to sprinkle that bird seven times, as it says there. He would sprinkle him with the cedar wood and the hyssop, which were herbs, and the wood. And they were tied with scarlet thread. And what he would do is he would dip that scarlet and that wood, I mean, that wood, the scarlet, and the hyssop. And then he would sprinkle that living bird uh, seven times. You know, what does this symbolize? You know, for us, when we read this, we think to ourselves, you know what, why would they do these things? You know, why is it that, 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 that they would do this? You know, when I think about this, right? The one that died, the bird that was killed, you know, you think to yourself, this bird symbolized something. It symbolized death to the impurity. See, remember that man that was a leper? That disease was gone. That disease was no longer with him. It was taken away. And then you look at the one that was set free, right? It symbolizes, you know what, this man's freedom now. Freedom in Christ, right? Freedom from this sin. Freedom from the leprosy. Freedom from the disease. See, and this is what's so awesome about us. This is us. The man that has died, right? The one that was in sin, he dies. And the one that is alive now is the one that is alive in Christ. I want to show you this through the scriptures. Let's go to Romans. In the book of Romans, chapter 4. I mean, chapter 6. In the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 4, it talks about 
the old man, and it talks about the new man in Christ. It talks about the man that is dead to sin and the man that is alive to God. In verse 4 of Romans chapter 6, it says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. See, that's the old man. That's us. You know what? That's the old man that has been crucified. That's the old man that has died. And now the one that is alive is a man that has been freed from sin. Let's keep reading. In verse 8, it says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you, he's talking to us. Also, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall, have, shall not have dominion over you. See, that's what's so amazing. And this is the miracle that God has for us, right? You know, as we think to ourselves, you know what? How many of you? When you gave your life to Christ, as you surrendered your life to Christ, you began to sin a lot less. You began to catch yourself not saying profanity and bad words anymore. You began to see yourself saying no to hanging out with those guys or girls that would lead you into sin. You began to make now faith choices according to your newfound faith. See, this is a transformation that happens to us because that old man is dead. And the man that lives is now the man in Christ. And we have the Spirit of God that empowers us to live lives that are pleasing to God. And this is what's so amazing about our Lord. You know, but we also have that choice, right? That free will. As it says there, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. You know, we still have these choices every day. Don't you wake up and you have to make a faith choice every day? Thinking of what you have to do and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. You know, every morning we're all faced with these faith choices, aren't we? Which one are you going to make? The one that is pleasing to the Lord? Or the one that doesn't please Him? See, as we look at this, you know, as we look at the first step after healing, you know what, we look to this and we see that, you know what, that he was showing them that there was one that was dead and there was now one that is alive. This leper that has been cleansed has now been cleansed by God. And then there's something that happens thereafter. Let's keep reading in verse 8 of Leviticus in verse 8 of Leviticus, chapter 14, it says there, He who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and wash himself in water, that he may be clean. After that, he shall come into the camp and shall stay outside his tent seven days. But on the seventh day, he shall shave all the hair off his head and his beard and his eyebrows, all his hair he shall shave off. He shall wash his clothes and wash his body in water, and he shall be clean. So we see here now that the second thing that he asked to do after the leper's been cleansed of his leprosy, of his disease, 
He needs to wash himself. You know, to think, you know, this man, he had to shave off all his hair. Imagine his eyebrows. He had to shave his beard. He had to shave his hair. You know, this man was without any hair, as the word says. So without hair, whether it be a man or female, they had to, they had to do this, right? And then they were able to wash themselves. You know, but they have to stay outside of the tent for seven days. And on the seventh day, he does it again. He repeats that. You know, we think to ourselves, you know, there's a washing that takes place in our lives, right? When you give yourself to the Lord, what happens to you? You're washed, aren't you? You know, let's go to Revelation chapter 1. In Revelation chapter 1, let's read from verse 4. It says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn over the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And has made us kings and priests to his, to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is what happens to us. That's why it's such a happy day. Think about this. You know, as when we give our lives to the Lord, we've been washed clean from our sins by his blood. You know, he's paid the penalty. He paid the price that you needed to pay for your sins, but he took it upon himself. And he says there, and he's made us kings and priests to his God and Father. You and I are called kings and priests. Why are we going to be kings? Because we're going to reign with the Lord throughout eternity in the millennial kingdom and in the new heavens and the new earth. You know, we're priests because we've been set apart for him. You know, when, do you remember Nicodemus? Remember Nicodemus when, you know, in, in John chapter 3, as, as he asked the Lord, Lord, you know what? How is it that, you know what, that, you know, as it, well, I'm going to read to you. It says here in verse 1, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born and Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. See, what happens with the water? You know, we're not talking about a baptism here, as many Catholics will use this, this term here to require baptism when it comes to uh, entering into the kingdom of God. You know, as we go into, I'm going to read to you from Ephesians chapter 5. And this is what it, it means. In Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, uh, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. See, there's a washing that happens in our life. Through the word of God, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. See, that's what we have here. And this is what he's referring to. And see, and we go through this washing as we've been talking about. And as we read in Revelation, we've been washed by his blood. And you know what? Just like, just like this leper, you know, we're also washed. We're also cleansed. But as you can see, he's washing several times, all right? You know, he has to wash, what, seven, uh, seven days later, he has to wash himself again. 
you know, why is Jesus doing this? Or why would he tell them to, to wash himself again? You know, you think to yourself, you know, one thing that the Lord tried to convey to his people, he, he tried to convey always holiness to them, didn't he? To remain holy, for he was holy. And everything that he talked to them about, the fact that he was in their presence, it was about remaining holy because they were chosen by God. They were a people of God. And see, and this is the same for us today. You know, I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. It says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. See, it is the Lord's desire that we would cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. You know, it is God's desire that we would continue to remain holy for Him, for He is holy. And this is when we say no to sin and yes to God and the things that He, that he asked of us. You know, but it doesn't finish here. There's one more thing that needs to take place after a leper has been healed. And we know that the healing comes from the Lord. But as we go into these three steps, let's read it in verse 10 of Leviticus chapter 14. It says, And on the eighth day he shall take two lambs without blemish, one new lamb of the first year without blemish, three-tenths of an ephah of flying flour, mixed with oil as a grain offering and one log of oil. You know, before I forget, I want to share what number eight means. Did you know what the meaning of the number eight is? Yes, it is new beginnings. You're absolutely right. Number eight symbolizes new beginning. And as we see here, on the eighth day, he shall take the two male lambs. This is the beginning of a new, a new day. A happy day as Nancy sang that song. And what's he supposed to do? He's supposed to take the two male lambs without blemish. The ewe lamb, which is a young female lamb of the first year without blemish. Three-tenths of an ephah of fine, of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering. And one log of oil. One log of oil is actually less than a pint of oil. And then he goes on to say, Then the priest who makes him clean shall present the man who is to be made clean and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And the priest shall take one male lamb and offer it as a trespass offering and the log of oil and wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb in the place where he kills the sin offering and the burnt offering in a holy place. For as the sin offering is the priest, so is the trust offering. It is most holy. So we see here as we read this, right? The third step that he has to do is he has to take these offerings, these sacrifices, you know, as an atonement for what? For his sins, right? It was a, a temporary covering of his sins. And as we see here, you know, the only way for him to approach God again was that he needed to be covered of his sins, right? Can any of us stand in the presence of God unless we've been cleansed of our sin? None of us can. See, and that's why when we talk about the final sacrifice, for us it is Jesus, right? There is no more animals that need to be offered. There's no more sacrifices that need to be given. And for this leper, because Jesus hadn't come yet, Jesus, Jesus hadn't died for their sins, so what they had to do is they had to offer these animals. And as we see there, you know, he had to offer a male lamb for his trespass offering. He had to offer another male lamb for his burnt offering. And a ewe lamb for his sin offering. Fine flour for the meal offering. And you know what? All of these, as we've discussed and we've gone into great detail, you know, all of these sacrifices are all a picture and the, uh, of the work of Christ that he's done, right? You know, when we talk about, you know, he gave all of himself a burnt offering for all of us. 
you know, a trespass offering. He paid the price, a sin offering. You know what? He took upon our sins, right? He, he gave a, 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 he was the, the grain offering, you know, a, 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 total, he, a total service that he gave for God the Father and, and, and for us so that we can be one with him. You know, and the peace offering, which we know that he didn't have to require here, but I'm just giving you a summary of them. The peace offering was, of course, the peace that had been made, that was made between man and God. And Jesus was that peace offering. But all of these, as we read, I mean, they made him now approachable to God. He can be in his presence because the sacrifices atoned and covered his sins. Let's keep reading in verse 14. It says, the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering, and the priest shall put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it upon the palm of his own left hand. Then the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand, and shall sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest shall put some on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot on the blood of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. You know, the blood of the trespass offering, he says to put it on the tip of his right ear he's also to take the blood and put it on the thumb of his right hand and finally he's to take the blood and put it on the big toe of his right foot do you remember who they did this to this was done for the priest do you remember that this was all done for the priest you know when he was consecrated and set apart to now become a priest for the Lord to become that mediator between the people and God. And as we think about this, why would they put blood on his right ear? So that he can hear the voice of God. That's what that symbolized. You know, why did they put blood on the thumb of his right hand? So that he can do the work of God. And why did they put blood on his right big toe? so that he can walk in the ways of God. See, this is what God wants from us, right? And this leper, not only did they do this, but they also put oil on the right ear, on the right thumb, and on the right big toe. You know, to be set apart for God. That's what the oil symbolizes, right? The anointing of God, the Spirit of God. And what's so amazing is that he would make the leper now like a priest. Isn't that amazing? The same anointing that the, leper, uh, that the leper received was the anointing that the priest received. So the former leper is now like a priest. And what does this symbolize? What did I just read to you in Revelation chapter 1? That we were all sinners and now we become what? Priest of God. You and I are now the priest of God. The word of God says that we're the priests of the Most High. See, we don't deserve any of this, right? Did the leopard deserve to be anointed this, in this fashion? It was God's grace. The same thing it is with you and I. The forgiveness of sins, God's fellowship with us, His love for us. Do, do any of us deserve this? I don't think any of us deserve this, but yet it is a grace of God. That's what's so amazing, and that's why we love God's grace, because we know we don't deserve it, and yet He gives us His favor, His love. And the only way to receive it is through what? Through faith, right? No one else can receive this unless you receive it through faith. The grace comes upon us, that amazing grace is given to us, but only through faith. You know, I just love that as, you know, as you look at the Old Testament and how everything just comes together with the New Testament, how everything comes together. I mean, you know, it's amazing how 
how everything that was done back then, it had its reasons. It had its, it, 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 its symbolic reasons and how it all pointed to the Lord. You know, let's keep reading because we got to finish this chapter. It says in verse 19, Then the priest shall offer the sin offering and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. So the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. You know, as we think about this, right? This leper was able to live now with the family of God. He was isolated. He was taken out of the family of God because of his uncleanness, because of his disease, his skin disease. And, you know, as we think about this, right, after all these three things have been taken place, which was, you know, the, the, the two birds, the washing, and then the sacrifices, you know, all this was so that he can now live with the people of God, so that, you know what, he can be cleansed and now ceremonially clean so that his sins would be covered and he would be able to approach God. Let's keep reading in verse 21. It says, but if he is poor and cannot afford it, then he shall take one male lamb as a trespass offering to be waived to make atonement for him. One tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, a log oil. And two turtle doves or two young pigeons, such as he is able to afford. One shall be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. So the Lord always made it, you know, affordable. He knows that people are poor. These lepers, they were on their own. And if they couldn't bring these, these lambs and the ewe lamb, then he would say, you know what, bring two birds. And one will be the sin offering and the other one will be the burnt offering. Let's keep reading. He shall bring them to the priest on the eighth day for his cleansing to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. And the priest shall take the lamb of the trespass offering and the log of oil, and the priest shall weigh them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb of the trespass offering, and the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand. Then the priest shall sprinkle his right finger some of the oil that is in his left hand seven times before the Lord. And the priest shall put some of the oil that is in his hand on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of the right hand and on the big toe of his right foot, on the place of the blood of the press of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, she shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed to make atonement for him before the Lord. And he shall offer one of the turtle doves or young pigeons such as he can afford, such as he is able to afford, the one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering with a grain offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him who is to be cleansed before the Lord. This is the law for one who had a leprous sore who cannot afford the usual cleansing. So it was just a, 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 a repeating exactly, you know, the steps that were needed to be taken for, for the cleansing and for the covering of his sins. You know, let's keep reading and we're going to finish this here. I'm going to just read through the, next, uh, through the next verses and then I'll expound on them. It says here, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When you have come into the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, and I put the leprous plague in a house in the land of your possession. And he who owns a house comes and tells the priest, saying, It seems to me that there is some plague in the house. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes into it to examine the plague. And all that is in the house may not be, may, may not be made unclean. And afterward, the priest shall go in to examine the house. And he shall examine the plague, and indeed, if the plague is on the walls of the house with ingrained streaks, greenish or reddish, which appear to be deep in the wall, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house seven days. And the priest shall come again on the seventh day and look, and indeed, if the plague has spread on the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which is the plague, and they shall cast them into an unclean place outside the city." What's happening here? Let me just stop here. The Lord is saying, when you guys go into the promised land, 
If you see all this mildew, all this infection on the walls of your house, there's a couple of things that you need to do. He says, I want you guys to empty that house. If you see all these mold and mildew and, and stains all of a sudden coming into that house, call the priest to examine it. Shut the house for seven days. And if it comes back, if it spreads, then take the portions of the house where all the mold and mildew spread and take it and take it out of the city. You replace them with clean stones and you put plaster on there. You replaster it. And if, but if the infection comes even after that, then guess what you have to do? You have to destroy the whole house. But what we have here, and why I finished in verse 40, it says, Then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which is a plague, and they shall cast them into an unclean place outside of the city. You know, when I read this, it reminded me of something. You know what? There are things that are within our house that don't glorify the Lord. You know what? When we think about this, see, this stuff is like an infection that can easily grab onto us again or can easily sway us to go back into a place that the Lord has brought us out of. You know what? For us, we should go through our house and we should cleanse our house from those things that don't glorify the Lord. You know, I remember as a young believer, and I shared this in the past, my wife, who was convicted by some of the things that we had. You know, we had CDs and pictures and stuff that weren't good. And I was young in the Lord, and my wife says, you know what, let's, let's take this stuff out and let's throw it out. And I'm like, oh, man, that's a lot of money. You know, why don't we just sell it? Why don't we just give it to, I mean, you know, have a yard sale and sell it? And my wife says, no, we got to throw it out. You know what? It was one of the wisest decisions that we ever made as a Christian family. See, because I'm not ashamed if any of you were to walk into my house today, I'm not ashamed of what I have in there. You could go through each room and even the kids' rooms. See, there should be nothing that would ever disqualify us as Christians. You know, for us that can make that decision, you know, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Stand behind it. You know, if you have things on your walls or you have things from, from your old life, that man, that, that old man that is dead, take it out, throw it away. Why do you want to bring them back to life? Or why do you want to have others question and say, you know what, I thought, you know, I thought they were sold out for the Lord. Not that people want to judge you, but it, it crosses their minds, doesn't it? And you mock the name of the Lord. You know, even family members, right, that come through our houses, you know, they're always looking to, bring, to, 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 to have an accusation against us, don't they? They're always waiting to, to bring you down somehow, right? And they go in searching for this stuff. You know, us as a people of God, you know what? Don't give them that opportunity. Cleanse your house. Whatever bad pictures are up, whatever magazines are there, you know, whatever CDs, music, whatever it is, the Lord will bless you. Trust me. He will be honored by your choices to cleanse and to put out of the city, just like he said, out of your house. Throw it away. Dig it into that. Put it right into that trash can. And don't bring it up. These are these are like cancerous, right? They spread, just like he said, the mildew that spreads. You know what? We want to be a people. We want to be a people that glorifies God in everything that we do. And that includes in our houses. You know what I remember? You know, the, uh, there, there was a group of people that, you know, at the, in the early church, and they had all these books of sorcery, right? These valuable books and when they came to know the Lord these things were worth thousands and thousands of dollars they say you know what we don't want that anymore you know what they did with their books they burned them up see that's as, as an example for us you know what as 
to know that, you know what, that the Lord is, is going to be blessed by this and he's going to bless us for making these choices, these choices that glorify him. Believe me, he owns everything. You know, whatever value that those things were, he's going to give it back to you. Don't worry about that. And don't think that you have to sell them to make up for the money that you spent on them. The Lord is great. And he can definitely, you know, replenish all of this. Let's keep reading after verse 40. It says, in verse 41, and he says, And he shall cause a house to be scraped inside all around, and the dust that they scrape off, they shall pour out in an unclean place outside of the city. Then they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones. And he shall take other mortar and plaster the house. Now if the plague comes back and breaks out in the house, after he has taken away the stones, after he has scraped the house, and after it is plastered, then the priest shall come and look. And indeed, if the plague has spread into the house, it is an active leprosy in the house. It is unclean. And he shall break down the house, its stones, its timber, and all the plaster of the house, and he shall carry them outside the city to an unclean place. Moreover, he who gives into the house at he who goes into the house at all, while it is shut up, shall be unclean until evening. And he who lies down in the house shall wash his clothes, and he who eats in the house shall wash his clothes. Imagine with this unclean, you know, with this mildew and mold all around it. The Lord says if it's during the time when the priest said to stay out, if you go in there, you're unclean. In other words, it's infectious. It, it, it comes upon you and you're unclean before the Lord. Verse 48 says, but if the priest comes in and examines it, and indeed the plague has not spread in the house after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean because a plague is healed. And he shall take to cleanse the house two birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. Then he shall kill one of the birds in an earthen vessel over running water. And he shall take the cedar wood, the hyssop, the scarlet, and the living bird and dip them in the blood of the slain bird and in the running water and sprinkle the house seven times. And he shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and the running water and the living bird with the cedar wood, the hyssop and the scarlet. Then he shall let the living bird loose outside the city in the open field and make atonement for the house and it shall be clean. This is a law for any leprous sore or scale, for the leprosy of a garment and of a house, for a swelling and a scab and a bright spot to teach when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law of leprosy. What he's referring to, a lot of these things were from chapter 13. But again, why does he do this? To teach what is unclean and what is clean. See, the Lord, through all of this, was teaching them to remain holy. You know, the birth that was set free symbolized a house that escaped destruction. You know, for us, you know what? Does this, we know for us, when it comes to Jesus Christ, you know what, through his blood, we have been cleansed. We know that, you know what, that, that he has washed us clean. You know, we know that through his sacrifice, you know, that we are now acceptable in the beloved. That his, that, that, uh, that, uh, that his righteousness, the righteousness of Christ has been imputed upon us we now have his righteousness and you know when i think to myself you know i think to myself you know what a happy day you know as i think back to when i was saved it's a glorious day and you know what for us you know remember that day i don't know if you guys wrote down the day and time of that day but that's a day of celebration like this was a day of celebration for the leper who was now cleansed this is a day of celebration for us because now we're going to be, we're, we're forgiven by the Father. We're accepted in the beloved. And this can only happen when we surrender our hearts to Him. I'm going to read to you something. And it's from uh, Luke chapter, chapter seven, 17. And in Luke chapter 17, it talks about these lepers. It talks about 10 lepers that were cleansed. And in verse 11, it says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, this is Jesus, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. Again, remember, they couldn't be with, 
with those that were clean. All lepers had to be afar off. They had to be in their own place, isolated. And they lifted up their voices. They had to scream out and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Where Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. See, what's so amazing about this story? See, is that ten were healed physically, right? God healed them. When it comes to our ailments, it's not doctors that heal us. It's not medicine that heals us. It is the power of God that heals us. It is God's will, God's sovereign. As he, as he brings healing upon our lives, you know, there were nine that forgot to give thanks to the Lord. And one did. And one came back. And one said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He says he gave glory. He came to give glory to God. And you know what happened there? The Lord said, you, because of your faith, because of your action, he says, you are now clean spiritually. The other nine didn't receive a spiritual cleansing. They only received a physical. The one that came to give thanks to God is the one that was healed not only physically, but spiritually. And he knew that that day, it was a glorious day. He came back rejoicing. He came back with a joy about him to give thanks and glory and honor to the Lord. See, let us remember how God has healed us. And let us not ever forget to give him thanks. Did you know that salvation is a miracle? Because none of you can save yourselves. Only God can save you. And the reason for that is why it is a miracle. See, it is a miracle because it's a supernatural thing. Nothing that man can do. It is by his grace through faith that we are saved. His grace is a gift to us. And with that, we will close. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for the miracle of salvation, Lord, that each and every one of us has entered into, Lord, through faith. Lord, I do pray, Lord, that everyone here is saved, Lord. I do pray, Lord Jesus, that each and every one of us, Lord, has truly been cleansed, Lord, as we've come to you, Lord, in faith. As this one leper that came back who was sinful, who was diseased, Lord, but yet he came back to give glory to the one that healed him. And that act of faith saved him, Lord. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us, Lord, would give you glory and honor, Lord, for what you've done in our lives. But we do know that sometimes we get dirty. And sometimes we walk away from you. Lord, I pray now that if there's anyone here that wants forgiveness, that wants fellowship with you, that they would now say yes to you. If somebody here wants to commit their lives or recommit their lives to the Lord, I ask that you would raise your hand and we will pray for you. Is this anyone here before we close? Anyone? Amen. Anyone else before we close? Anyone else? Anyone else? Lord, you see this one hand that went up, Lord. Lord, she wants to restore her fellowship with you, Lord. She doesn't want sin separating her from you. I want you to repeat these words after me, Yolanda. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for sinning against you, Lord. Just like that sinful woman that we read about earlier, Lord. 
My sin, Lord Jesus, has grieved me. And I want to restore fellowship with you. I want your forgiveness. Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Transform me. into your image. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for your message of love. Holy Spirit, empower me to live a life that is pleasing to my master, Jesus Christ. I love you and I praise you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let us stand.